Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. My name is Kurt Wilson. I'm the Armchair Survivalist. And today is November the 3rd in the year 2019. Welcome to my show. Uh, if you go to my website, armchairsurvivalist.com, you scroll down and you can see what uh, you can use to how you listen to me, what you can do to, to uh, download my show. There's, I've got, I don't know, a whole bunch of different apps that they put me on now. I'm even on iHeartRadio. So if you've got any of these things, you can use them to listen to the show. Oh, what is it? Stitcher and Anchor, TuneIn. I'm being archived for posterity at the Wayback Machine. Podbean, Google Play, Apple Play. There's so many different things here and I don't even know. how. I don't even, Spotify, of course. Uh, my RSS feed is there. And remember, bottom of any page at armchairsurvivalist.com, and, and you'll find all this stuff. You can listen in the chat room. Now, I'm on live, or as live as I can be, every Sunday, 2 to 4 Pacific time. So all you do is click on the uh, chat room. You know, you go to the website, and on the left-hand side, you will see the links, home, chat room, show notes, survival enterprises, which is the store I run. You click on the chat room, go there, you can listen. If that's all you want to do, that's fine. If you want to sign in and chat with whoever happens to be there, you can do that as well. But I say about 95% of the people that listen to me actually download the show at a later date. They don't listen to me on, on Sundays. Don't, don't feel bad. You can do that. You can listen to me on Sundays. Also, you, listen, you can listen on Global Star 3 Satellite, and you can dial on a phone number and listen on your phone. Now, it's not toll-free. It's 641 area code 7410371. That's 641 7410371. Oh, let's see what we're going to I have different categories that I talk about and we're going to get right into the economy right now. Pretty much all of you know California is on fire again. Standard operating procedure for the whole year. And as usual, most of these are not what they claim starting they're not lightning strikes. These are arson most of them are arson or stupidity and incompetence. I actually saw a video of one of the uh, power companies, not PG&E. Another power company was video, videoing an area where their power lines were. And they, they had them off. They turned the power lines on. And within two minutes, there was a fire starting right along the, on the ground. I, I don't know why, but that's what's happening. Insurance companies. You people in California think you're going to be insured for, for these things, kind of things. The insurance companies are losing their butts in California. They're bailing out. They're bailing out from uh, protecting you from fires, from floods. And it, it's easy. You can see all these. If I go to the website, if you go to the website, armchairsurvivalist.com, on the left-hand side, you'll see the show notes. And you click on the sh- that link, and it takes you to a page of all the different uh, shows that I've done. And you click on whatever date, and then you can see what I'm talking about. I don't just pull things out of my hat and talk to you about them. I give you source so that you can look at this stuff yourself, and this is important. We have a debt problem that's happening in the United States. Now, it doesn't show up on the economy yet. It doesn't show up like the like the banking crisis or the housing crisis or whatever. But right now, we're seeing the largest delinquencies in auto loans in history. Well, the problem is these auto companies will loan to anyone. You don't even, you don't even really have to prove you, you have an income. They'll loan to you. 
And now the, the delinquencies on these debts are growing and growing and growing. We're talking into trillions of dollars. And there's another debt that's growing as well. And this is, it's a, it's a different type of loan. You know payday loans, right? These are, these are loans you take your, your uh, you go into and you say, hey, I need to get a loan against my paycheck. I'm going to get $1,000. Uh, can I get like $500 from you? Okay, and they charge 30 to 100% interest. Well, they're declining. They're dying. Yet you can buy things online with installment loans. It's a form of debt, but it has a much longer maturity. I'm not kidding. You can buy something for 100 bucks and take five years to pay it back if you want. Unfortunately, a lot of these have triple-digit interest rates. This is a massive thing, and it's up to over $50 billion is what people owe so far on this. This is, a, this is big. This is not a lightweight thing. This is happening all the time. I get these, I get these emails every day uh, showing me different things for sale, like Groupon. And you go there and and they show you this 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 gizmo. Let's say you want to get a bed. It's a, they're even showing beds for only eighteen hundred dollars, but we'll finance you. It doesn't matter who you are. So you're going to pay back the eighteen hundred dollars times five, because they'll let you stretch it out to oh ten years. Don't get sucked into that. If you can't afford something, don't buy it. It's a very simple rule of thumb. The Federal Reserve is looking at all of these indicators. And I've talked about them, different indicators, the past few shows. In fact, what the Federal Reserve is doing is printing money now. Not just, you know, a couple million dollars here and there. $60 billion a month. $60 billion a month. One month it was $85 billion. Now, it's not as if they're actually printing money. They're, it's just zeros and ones on a computer. But it still shows up as money going into the system. And that's an indication that they're scared, really scared, not lightweight scared. Heavy recession coming, heavy depression coming, scared. So just a word of wise, a word to the wise, hopefully. Pay attention to what's going on there. Let's get into the health and food section. I've talked about a, a few different things about China and pigs, and I don't mean derogatorily. I'm talking about the swine flu is, is destroying almost 35% of all of the, of the uh, swine, pig population, sows, hogs in China. And it is a, it's a disease and it's spreading into Vietnam, Cambodia, Taiwan, Mongolia. The pigs and hogs are the major source of protein for the Asians. They're dying off. They're really dying. Uh, it's causing a lot of fear and problems. And that's, that's not the worst part. The worst part is that they have something called the fall army worm. It can travel over 60 miles in a day. It has no natural enemies. And it's almost impossible to eradicate. But it is hitting all the grain crops in China as well. Soybeans, wheat, corn, rice among others. It's wiping out all possible protein. This is, this is the dangerous thing, about, and this is happening in, in a communist country. In communist countries, when they start starving, their best solution is to invade someone. There's something, something wicked this way coming. 
and in the United States, because of the floods that we have had, the rain that we have had, I don't want to call it, say, call it drought, but the heat that we have had, especially in the Midwest, the crops haven't been planted like they should be planted. There's not getting many, there's not many, there's not as much square feet of cropland that's been planted. And now the winter wheat acres are going to be the lowest in 110 years. Think about that for a second. Wheat is the planting for the winter wheat crop. It's going to be the lowest in 110 years. You know, there's these problems that we've been seeing about vaping. There's been a lot of research being done, and I've been following it closely, and I've been following it real closely. I want you to just listen to this little clip. Our investigation took us to downtown Los Angeles, where in a 12-block radius we saw dozens and dozens of storefronts advertising vaping products. We're in pursuit of what black market operators come here for, the empty packaging and cartridges that they fill with cheap and often tainted substances, sold as legitimate THC products. Within minutes, we score. We were able to go in one shop, buy these dank vape containers, the packaging, and a hundred of the cartridges into which you can put whatever you want. There's no ID, no tax, no nothing. In fact, we're looking for this particular type of packaging, dank vapes, as we'd heard the brand had spawned a new term, danking, the use of cheap black market THC oil. The CDC last week confirming of those patients in Wisconsin and Illinois who had reported vaping THC, the Dank Vapes brand was used by a staggering 66% of them. We'd already talked to a young man in California, 19-year-old Fabian Castillo, who says he used Dank Vapes and ended up in a medically induced coma for nine days. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. I, I literally couldn't even move my hands. I remember just talking to this doctor and I said, if I go tell my mom I said I love her. His mother, Patricia, who works for a police department in Southern California as a 911 dispatcher, asked a colleague to inspect the cartridge Fabian used. He's like, it's, it's pesticides. It's a molecule away from a pesticide is what we're looking at. To see for ourselves, we went to CannaSafe, one of the leading cannabis testing facilities in the nation. We bought three brands of THC cartridges from legal dispensaries. And CannaSafe obtained 15 illicit varieties. So for the legal products you brought in, they certainly got an A+. They all met the label claim for THC. They all were free of harmful adulterants, and none of them contained any traces of vitamin E oil. As far as the illicit products, though, unfortunately, every single one had some harmful pesticide in it, or in 13 or 15 had some level of vitamin E oil. No one should want this to be available for any citizen to partake in. I talked to a young man named Fabian who was using the Dank Vapes Gorilla Glue. We had two samples from the illicit delivery come in as Dank Vapes. They were labeled as such, and they had some of the highest array of pesticides. One sample had 51 times the legal limit. They also both contained vitamin E oil. It's a deadly combo. Absolutely. Oh, it's deadly simply because you just don't know what you're getting. It's also highly lucrative and making lots of people very wealthy, says David Downs, who reports for Leafly, a publication that covers the cannabis industry. The U.S. has a $52 billion cannabis industry, and only one quarter of it is taxed and regulated and tested, maybe $5 billion in just the THC vape cart space alone. And so that certainly attracts commercial black market operators. 
That means nearly $40 billion a year being pumped into the black market from cannabis products. This all starts in China. As we saw in the store where we purchased the dank vapes. Carton after carton labeled Made in China to USA. You can pick up counterfeit packaging designed to look exactly like legal licensed packaging. Yeah, and I've been saying, like, look, if you buy a fake Gucci purse, it's not going to give you a lung injury. But if you buy a fake vape cart, it just might, especially nowadays. Or it might even kill you. There's a couple times where it appears to have. In actuality, uh, so far now, 37 people known have died from vaping. And what they're discovering is that it's from bootleg cartridges. It's a long story on this, and that's why I played that clip, because it gives you a lot of it. What they're seeing is hydrogen cyanide coming out. Now, I talked to my one of my farmers that we get our CBD from, and she said that, in, in and I knew this, in a vape cartridge, it has to create heat so that the product can be uh, aromized and turned into, into vapor, and, and then you can inhale it. Well, they use these little pieces of metal in there, the coils they're called, that become red hot and and uh, vaporize whatever the liquid is. Unfortunately, the cheap cartridges don't use coated coils. These coils are raw metal. And when you take when you take these cheap pieces of metal coils and you superheat them in conjunction with vitamin E, which to itself is innocuous. And, and, a, and a good nutrient, but when it's superheated, it becomes a toxic cloud. And you add also the ammonia that is coming off of some of these other ingredients. Well, that's all it takes to create hydrogen cyanide. I'm going to have the links there where you can do your own chemistry and take a look at that. Now, there is some, uh, I guess we could call it good news that came out, especially when it comes to do with the hemp, uh, growing of hemp in the United States. Hello, everyone. As I travel across this great country of ours, I hear a lot about a strong interest in a new economic opportunity for America's farmers, the production of hemp, which is why today I'm pleased to announce that USDA has published the rule establishing the U.S. Domestic Hemp Production Program. We said we'd get it done in time for producers to make planning decisions for 2020, and we followed through. We have our teams operating with all hands on deck to develop a regulatory framework that meets congressional intent while seeking to provide a fair, consistent, and science-based process for states, tribes, and individual producers who want to participate in this program. As mandated by Congress, our program requires all hemp growers to be licensed and includes testing protocols to ensure that hemp grown under this program is hemp and nothing else. USDA has also worked to provide licensed growers access to loans and risk management products available for other crops. As an interim final rule, the rule becomes effective immediately upon publication in the Federal Register. But we still want to hear from you to help us make sure the regulations meet your needs. That's why the publication of the interim final rule also includes a public comment period, continuing a full and transparent rulemaking process that started with a hemp listing session all the way back in March 2019. At USDA, we're always excited when there are new economic opportunities for our farmers, and we hope the ability to grow hemp will pave the way for new products and markets. But I encourage all producers to take the time to fully educate themselves on the processes, requirements, and risks that come with any new market or product 
before entering this new frontier. The Agricultural Marketing Service will be providing additional information, resources, and educational opportunities on the new program. And I encourage you to visit the USDA Hemp website for more information. As always, we thank you for your patience and input during this process. Unfortunately, whenever the government decides to help us, they um, they cause a big major problem, and they always have. Years ago, there was a... I'll make this story a little shorter. There's an assemblywoman, Jackie Spears. She was one of the survivors of the Jonestown Massacre. Just look it up, Jonestown Massacre. And she knew my expertise in non-lethal weaponry. I, I uh, imported a certain type of pepper spray. Uh, I was an expert on stun guns. So she contacted me and said, and this is in the state of California, and said, we need to legalize pepper spray so that the, the women can can uh, not get raped. You know, they wanted a, a defensive weapon that women could carry around and protect themselves with. And I said, not a problem. I can write you a bill. And I did. It was half a page long. This was the whole bill. It was standard. It was like anybody can carry this as long as they're not in under a prescribed system of felonies or criminal intent. I mean, it's just standard, standard process that, that would be in front of all dangerous weapon laws. Okay, so um, I had to go with her to the Senate subcommittee on, on public safety and, and do my spiel on that. And then the law passed. And I, I didn't pay any attention to it. I, I'm not getting paid for it. It's just so about six months later, she calls me on the phone. She goes, Kurt, there's, there's, women are still getting raped and, and mugged and all of this, and, and they're afraid to carry this, and, and they, they won't carry pepper spray. I said, well, what, what's the problem? It's le- You legalized it, right? Well, yes, but. I go, what do you mean, but? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fax you a copy of the bill as it was passed. It was four pages long. They had to go to a class and to get sprayed with it. I mean, it was asinine. So I told her, I said, this is ridiculous. Take my original bill as I wrote it and pass it. And they did, finally. And then pepper spray was passed. And everybody could buy it and use it in the state of California. That's what the government does. Now, we're concerned this is the same thing that's going to happen here. Because Trump moved hemp control away from the DEA. This bill, as proposed, puts it back under their control. Now, I downloaded a copy of this bill. It's in a PDF form, and I'll have it on my website. You can download, if you wish, and read it and try and figure it out yourself. We have 60 days, and then we're going to be told what the final ruling is going to be. Now, I'm going to tell you all right now. At the end of 60 days, we could be forced to stop selling CBD oil under these under the guidelines that we've been following. And that's not just me. That's everyone in the United States. Everyone. So any of you out there who use CBD oil, I would advise you to buy as much as you can as soon as you can. You've got 60 days before the USDA comes out with a final ruling on this. Everybody everybody in the industry is, is, uh, is scared. I don't know how else to put it. So if, you're, if you use this stuff, buy a bunch of it now. Now you can store CBD oil. Now I, all I'm, I'm telling you for mine, because mine is different than anything else out there. You can store ours. You put it in a refrigerator and, and pull it out when you're going to start using it. You don't, you don't have to keep it in the refrigerator if you're using it, right? I keep my bottle on the counter in the bathroom. So, But everything else, I keep in a refrigerator. 
we're mine, you're dealing with organics. You're dealing with organic food product type stuff. So just logic. You know, you keep it in the refrigerator. Now we're going to get under the category of racism, intolerance, anger, hate, and fear. In other words, the liberal psychosis. So far this year, we have had over 1.1 million criminal aliens caught at the border. Now, understand the word caught. They usually figure out three times that amount snuck through without getting caught. This is the plan, is to get as many in here as possible. In fact, there's been a 250% spike in Somalis. These are the scum of Islam sneaking in through the border. Now, these are the ones caught. So, the ones that haven't been caught, they've made their way through the border. Now, if you're going to Disneyland... (laughs) Now, this is kind of sporadic, right? This stuff's all spread around. Uh, Disney. Disneyland. If you're going to Disneyland, any Disneyland place, you better expect bag searches, pat-downs, metal detectors. Standard operating procedure for the TSA. And that's what they want to start emulating. By the way, there's a meme. Uh, A meme is a statement or a cartoon or an animate or a picture that has a cute quote to it. And and now if you're if you're on Twitter and Facebook you're you're seeing uh, Hillary killed Epstein, Hillary killed Epstein. It's it's kind of a joke, kind of. Except there was an autopsy performed by a professional forensic doctor and he said that Epstein was murdered. He was not he did not commit suicide. Every every particle of this leads to murder, he said. And then now, just to uh, round it all out, I will have on my website a link to the Clinton body count, how people magically die around the Clintons, especially people who know things about Clintons. Well, let's see. California. You know, they have, being a socialist country, they do all kinds of socialist stuff. And bad thing is is that the police have so much crime to answer that they don't have time any longer to uh, worry about shoplifting, thefts, any kind of criminal activity that doesn't measure up to their stand. What is the standards? Like nine hundred and something dollars. So they passed a a, a bill, and it was championed by the uh, American Communist Liberties Union. And it was passed by a wide margin in 2014. I wonder what the what that was. So it was passed by a wide wide margin in 2014, and it was to reduce. This is the thing to reduce how many nonviolent felonies would people would get locked up and uh, waste uh, space in the jails in California. So if it's if the crime is below. I don't remember what it is. I'm trying to find it on the website right now. If the crime is below $900, something like that, then the police won't even take a report. So what the bums are doing in California and the criminals, they're simply going into a store, grabbing expensive stuff and walking out. Well, you can't stop them because you'll be sued in the state of California or arrested. I don't understand why people even stay in the state of California. What the hell is wrong with you people? New York City has a great idea how to handle their bums. They're shipping them all over the United States. Put them on a bus, out they go. Of course, this is nothing new. I reported on this five years ago. You know, I have a sign on my front window. It says, uh, snowflakes not allowed. 
And unfortunately, snowflakes are being bred and trained. Like Oxford University has decided that clapping is now banned because it could trigger somebody who has anxiety. So you can't clap. You have to use jazz hands. You wave your fingers. So you don't trigger some snowflake. State of Idaho, Boise. This is wherever you find Democrats. Democrats, socialists, communists, synonymous. So the Boise University is telling the professors don't grade on merit. Because we have to have inclusive teaching. Means inclusive grading too. Inclusive. This is the scam how the public school system claims that they're passing more people and graduating more people. They make it totally acceptable to be an idiot and to not have learned a damn thing. So the Chicago teachers strike is over, right? You're going to love this. Chicago teacher strike is over. There are 10 days. Now, according to the law, if a public service entity, and this is, this is Illinois, if a public ser- service entity goes on strike for five days, they have to make up those five days at the end of the strike without pay. Well, these, these communists were on strike for 10 days, and they didn't want to have to go for another 10 days without pay, even though they got a 16% pay rise and all kinds of other benefits. So they agreed they'll do five extra days. Well, here's the thing that, that happened in Texas. The problem we had is that the National Education Association, which is controlled and ran by the Communist United Nations, uh, decided that the sexual ed teaching in schools now is going to cover all kinds of data that's put out by Planned Parenthood. Parents got upset about that in Austin. First, new legislation could kill AISD's revamped sex ed curriculum before it's even rolled out. That's not to mention concerns parents have about the new content. The school board is scheduled to approve the new curriculum in a few weeks. And KXAN education reporter Tom Miller live at district headquarters with more on how leaders there are responding to this. Tom? Robert, this curriculum is written by Planned Parenthood and copywritten, so very few parents have actually seen this. Further complicating things is this bill that's currently sitting on Governor Abbott's desk waiting for his signature that would prevent government agencies like school districts from doing business with abortion providers like Planned Parenthood. Well, a few days later, Governor uh, Abbott signed a bill banning state agencies from doing any business with abortion providers. So to get back at the public, the sexual perverts in Planned Parenthood got together with different groups of sexual pervert people. This is disgusting and pure evil. And they put forward a whole new sex ed plan. Tonight, a controversial change to what students learn about sex in Austin classrooms is up for a vote. On one side... I hope, obviously, that they vote yes, and I hope that the community has had a chance to actually see the lessons for themselves now. But on the other side... AISD, if they pass this, is going to be telling people of faith and traditional values throughout the city that you are not welcome in our school district. The first update to the sex ed curriculum in nearly a decade highlights LGBTQ inclusivity and gender identity 
proximity to issues parents like David Walls are concerned about. That it promotes a radical ideology that is uh, in opposition to the values that most Austin parents and families hold. Among the proposed lesson plans, students beginning in fifth grade would learn about gender expression and sexual orientation. They'd also learn about gender identity or the way they see themselves in relation to being born male or female. We wanted the curriculum to be inclusive because, as you've heard in Austin ISD, all means all, and we want every student um, being exposed to our curriculum to see themselves within that curriculum. AISD's Director of Academics, Kathy Ryan, says the district reviewed each piece of parent feedback before making changes to the lesson plans with classroom teachers. And Ryan points out parents can opt their kids out of any lessons they choose. But for parents like Suzanne Kearns, the proposed curriculum is what students need. The kids who are LGBTQIA didn't have this information to help understand that, oh, what I'm feeling is normal and there's others like me and this all makes sense now. So in other words, the Austin School District passed a bill that will allow sexual perversion taught starting at the third grade to help children understand that it's acceptable and normal to be a pervert and to be a sexual deviant. And they're going to be teaching them about this. You people who have your children in public school, if you are anywhere under the impression that this is not happening in your school, you're so naive as to be in the realm of stupid. Cultural appropriation has reared its ugly head, as it always does this time of year. For the past handful of years, we've been told that you can't dress up for Halloween as a Native American or be a cowboy, unless, of course, you are someone from a certain village of people. There has been a litany of other costumes that would take too long to discuss as they are so oppressive to college students who just discovered that dressing slutty comes with consequences. But I want to talk about the appropriation that has been truly detrimental to our society and the American culture, if we can say that we even have one anymore. This week showed us the Rubicon that we are crossing after a court of law has decided that a mom can transition her seven-year-old son into a girl, despite the boy's dad and ex-husband not wanting to, and the fact that it genuinely is child abuse, and the government is prescribing it. The story of seven-year-old James Younger shows how America is allowing our children to be appropriated at the hands of the progressive mob mentality, and no one seems to give a damn. A jury in Dallas, Texas. Yes, Texas. Not the People's Republic of California or New York, but Texas, ruled against Jeffrey Younger, who is the father of James and his twin brother, Jude. Jeffrey was trying to stop the chemical castration, or gender transition as they call it, from being allowed by fighting for soul-managing conservatorship so he could make medical and psychological decisions about the boys. But the jury ruled in favor of the mother, Dr. Ann Gorgulis, who already had the power and is now allowed to continue transitioning James into Luna. She was given full authority to give James puberty blockers and then cross-sex hormones if she wanted to. Right now, Anne has socially transitioned James into Luna, so at school, he is treated as if he is a girl. Why are we as a culture completely okay with this? We have been pushed to the precipice, and only then are we maybe going to hopefully do something about it. After the ruling, we were told that Governor Greg Abbott had the Texas Attorney General's office looking into it. But only after the ruling, and after being bombarded by the news. And then on Thursday, it was the judge who stepped in to say that Father Jeffrey will have joint conservatorship over James. Meanwhile, we have people laying down in blood to protest injecting cows with hormones while also applauding the chemical castration of a seven-year-old boy. They actually stand around saying that cows' lives matter. Their lives, not ours. Their bodies, not ours. 
And yet, little James has no say about his body. Mom, who is a pediatrician, by the way, is doing this because she wants him to be something he's not. Dad asked James when he was just three years old who he was, and he gave the response provided by Mom. You're a boy, right? No, I'm a girl. Who told you you were a girl? Mommy. When did she tell you you were a girl? Because I love girls. Oh, I see. So Mommy told you you were a girl? Uh-huh. Even if James wanted to be a girl, he's not. Science says so. But in 2019, science is only science when the left says it's science. And the problem is that common sense people have allowed the left to appropriate this aspect too, making anyone who disagrees in the name of science out to be a bigot. Science tells us that boys and girls are not the same. But for the far left, they must be the same. Because feminism and equality, women matter. Except that they don't matter when it comes to a man saying he's a woman. As was reiterated for the umpteenth time as a transgender female, a dude, showed how classy he is when he won a cycling championship in the women's category this month. Is like trans women inclusion more important than fairness in sport? But again, my point is that trans inclusion is fairness. Um, it is unfair to exclude legal and medical women, trans women, from women's sport or part of society. So this is much bigger than sport in that it's... It's the proxy for all of trans inclusion in society. That's Dr. Rachel McKinnon, a philosophy professor who won the 35 to 39 age category sprint at the Masters Track World Championship in Manchester, England. On the day after he won, McKinnon tweeted, I have yet to meet a real champion who is a problem with trans women. Real champions want stronger competition. If you win because bigotry got your competition banned, you're a loser. This is your second so-called championship, Dr. McKinnon. If you are a real champion, you want stronger competition, right? So go compete with the men, since you are one. And if you don't go, then who's the real loser? Because in the world that is supposed to be all about feminism, our girls are suffering always. A brand that makes menstrual products decided to cave to leftist logic, claiming that the female symbol being used on the sanitary pads is somehow sexist. The company is making the change in an attempt to make the labeling more inclusive of transgender and non-binary customers. But men don't get periods. And finally, we cannot dismiss the appropriation of breakfast cereal. But yes, indeed, Kellogg's cereal is bowing to the LGBT sycophants with their cardboard cereal that also makes up the spines of the executives. In a pandering gesture, Kellogg's announced it was releasing a limited edition cereal called Altogether, it'll be limited to those who are dumb enough to pay $19.99 for a box of cereal that combines six individual cereals into one little box of just a few servings of sugary obesity. And that's what our American culture has become. We are one big bowl of mush because we've allowed our children to be co-opted and used to appropriate the madness of the left's adults. Our boys can't be boys. Our girls can't be girls. And we cannot be Americans. We are just cultural appropriations waiting to be demonized by leftist outrage. They are physically, emotionally, and psychologically destroying our children, taking away their innocence and making every aspect of American life about them and their feelings. And by the way, that same judge that banned the father from participating in his son's raising uh, has rescinded that, and now the father can uh, have a say in whether or not his wife perverts his son into some other kind of creature. Speaking of some other kind of creature, I've talked to you before about these uh, drag queen story hours. They're not getting any better. It's getting worse. If you allow it in your city, you're succumbing to it. You're agreeing with it. 
They're now, and there's videos taken of some of these drag queens then sitting there in front of the children in a chair with no underwear on, spreading their legs and showing their junk. This is not, this is, this is happening all over the place. We have the National Education Association, which is one of the most disgusting evil groups on earth. And they are joining forces with, and I hate to say this, but a place in Coeur d'Alene called the Human Rights Campaign. Human rights is a code word for sexual deviancy special treatment. This so-called human rights campaign is the, one of the stupidest things that anybody has come up with, but it sure is working for the ignorant and the Democrats because it's promoting sexual perversion worldwide, not just nationwide, not just in the state of Idaho. Yeah, people think that Idaho is the last bastion of, of, of political freedom. No, it's not. People in Idaho were too complacent, and they allowed a rhino to become governor, that's a Republican in name only, who brought in Common Core, who gave property that was owned by the, the college to this sexual perverted organization called the Human Rights Campaign. I hate to say this, and I keep saying it over and over again, but it's going to get worse. Standard testing, it came out, it came out this week that the students in the United States, their testing is going down the tubes. They're, for some strange reason, becoming stupider. Well, what, what could possibly be causing that? It must be that we're not giving enough money to a communist organization called NEA. It must be that these lazy socialist teachers aren't getting paid enough. That's got to be it. Across the board, scores drop in math and reading for U.S. students. Again, this is the, like the third or fourth year in a row that this has happened. You know why? Common Core. What is Common Core? Common Core is a communist concept that was created by the UN so that all children worldwide would be equal. So they want you to learn not just the answers to questions, but they want you to learn special manner that you come up with the answer. Instead of 2 plus 2 equals 4, there's 15 different things that you have to do to come up with that answer. And a standardized test is test that's standardized all over the United States. There's only four states in the United States that do not conform to common core. You got that? Our public school system is controlled by communists in 46 states. Of course, if I was Obama, I'd say 55, but it's four states are not part of it. But what's happening is, in these tests, let's say you get a test on mathematics and you've got to add 2 plus 2. You can't just go 2 plus 2 equals 4. You have to go, 2 is the second number in a digital system of blah, 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 blah. You have to do 30 minutes of work to find that answer. Well, this is why, and I'm not exaggerating. I have the links. You guys can go look at them yourself. This is the reason our children are becoming stupider as they, the longer they go to school. You confuse people to such a degree that they, they don't dare try and figure out math. Or they don't dare try and understand words to read. And they won't. And knowledge is power. So what is ignorance? Ignorance is where the Democrats want everybody because then they're easier to control. Just like in any socialist or communist country, the dumber you are, the easier you are to control. 
this common core thing is getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm sure I'll do a show on it eventually. But it's like, you know, I don't like doing shows on things that I can't change or even affect. And the only thing that I can affect is telling any of you who have your children in the public school, get them out. Don't don't be arrogant and say, oh, but he's in a Catholic school. I'm sorry. They can form the Common Core. Every school in the United States, unless it's a privately ran, privately owned school, conforms to Common Core and conforms to socialist and communist ideals and conforms to sexual perversion and teaches it in their classrooms. I don't care. I've audited Catholic schools and I've found it. I've seen it. Get your kid out of public school before it's too late. Now, now here's another thing. Now, we're still under liberal psychosis. I had a Facebook page at one time. And unfortunately, I had these guys that would come on there and say, hey, dude, look at the AR I just bought. And they'd hold up their gun. Or some other idiot say, oh, look at, look at my gun collection. It's on my bed. See this picture here, all these guns? Well, let me tell you what Facebook has been doing. Not is going to be doing. Has been doing. Every one of the idiots that show off their firearm. Facebook is taking pictures of that firearm and tagging it with your name. And they, if they can, they'll zoom in and see the serial number. And they're creating a file of it, which is going to be going to the FBI. And the same thing on, on Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube. Anybody who is stupid enough to post a picture of a firearm, period, is going to be nailed in this. This is, I can see it coming. I'm not even concerned about it because it's going to capture not only all the idiots, but unfortunately, probably their family members as well. You know, I, I've, I've, uh, I was watching a movie again this week. You ever, you ever seen Idiocracy? Well, I got two clips out of it. See, the theory is that, that people started to become stupider. Just a theory, you know, it would never happen. So there's two clips, and I put them together. The first clip is just a little introduction. Then what happens is there's an experiment where the U.S. Army puts two people in stasis to uh, pull them out in a, a year or two. Well, things go sideways. So here's, here's this little, little bit of idiocracy. As the 21st century began... Human evolution was at a turning point. Natural selection, the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction. A dumbing down. How did this happen? Evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence. With no natural predators to thin the herd, it began to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become an endangered species. As Joe and Rita lay dormant, the years passed, and mankind became stupider at a frightening rate. Some had high hopes that genetic engineering would correct this trend in evolution. But sadly, The greatest minds and resources were focused on conquering hair loss and prolonging erections. 
Meanwhile, the population exploded and intelligence continued to decline until humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems. And then according to the movie, it all goes downhill from there. You've you got to see it, idiocracy. And you can look at it and, and think, well, this is a comedy, but oh my God, it looks just like reality. Okay, we're going to get into the category of Trump. So the the uh, communists have decided that this is they're going to they're going to have the public quote unquote public uh, trial of whether or not they should actually impeach Trump. So they decided to have a vote. Now this is not an impeachment vote. This is a vote on whether or not we should actually investigate Trump. So they had it in the in, the, uh, in Congress on Thursday, and this is the very first time in history that only one political party is going for impeachment. This proves, proves it's political in nature and has nothing to do with anything in any way, shape, or form that Trump has done. I was watching Fox News, supposed to be clear and balanced or whatever the hell they call it, fair and balanced. Well, we all know and have found out that Fox News is not in any way, shape, or form a conservative website. It has to do with uh, money and that's it. And I watched as uh, they took a vote live. You know, the, the Congress was doing their voting live. And then I saw something. I, I'm listening to the, to the broadcasters on Fox News talk about this vote that they were watching live. And then Chris Wallace ca- came on. And this proved to me that he's nothing more than a closet communist. Chris Wallace, quickly, your thought on this. Well, it's very dramatic. As they called the vote, I have to say that I could feel it, feel sort of goosebumps. Congressman uh, Louis Gomer had something to say about this Soviet-style kangaroo court the Democrats are polling also. Never in the history of this country have we had such gross unfairness that one party would put armed guards to prevent the duly authorized people from being able to hear the witnesses and see them for themselves. And then, oh, we hear from this resolution today, we're going to send you the depositions after we get through doctoring and looking at and editing the transcripts so you have the evidence you need. That's not the kind of evidence that a coup should be based on. If we're going to have what they're trying to legalize as a coup, we ought to have a right to see each of those witnesses. And the only potential use for the deposition should be impeachment of those witnesses. Nothing else, not for anything substantive. The president's attorney, unlike in 74 and 98, were not allowed to be there, even see and hear the witnesses. It's outrageous what's been going on for people who truly care about due process. Regarding the procedures now, the Judiciary Committee must operate pursuant to the procedures imposed by the Chairman of the Rules Committee. Well, previously, one of the oldest committees in the House of Representatives, the Judiciary Committee, in prior impeachments, made the rules for the impeachment hearing. We didn't have it dictated by the Rules Committee. No, because this is the Judiciary Committee. These are people that are supposed to have expertise in constitutional issues. So when you have the committee that has more 
expertise in constitutional issues. What did the majority do? We don't want the committee with the most expertise on constitutional issues dealing with these constitutional issues. We want to put armed guards outside a hearing and have it in a secret compartmented information facility. And we're not going to let the other side call their own witnesses so we get a fair picture of what actually went on. And we're not even going to let them ask questions we don't want them to ask. We'll instruct the witnesses not to answer. Because, you see, they want it to be a one-sided, non-due process sham court. And it's about to push this country to a civil war. Some historian said guns are only involved in the last phase of a civil war. So some after some investigation in Washington, D.C., you know the whistleblower that came forward that was just a good American that wanted to save the democracy and all that hogwash? Turns out the guy's name is Eric Ciaramella. Ciaramella. Yeah, he was the he worked in the White House and he was the leaker that got caught in the beginning and fired. Of course, the CIA hired him right up. So this guy works for the CIA, which is anti-American and anti-Trump. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. So this is the guy who has come forward now. Now, well, he has he hasn't come forward. He's been he's been outed by real clear investigations. That's the organization. Oh, and you know that there was another whistleblower that came forward and, and a third one. Well, now number one, two, and three sort of decided they're not going to testify. They don't, want, they don't want actually their words to be on the record because they can be sued and arrested for fraud and slander and libel and all kinds of other stuff. That's really disgusting. Now, we had the, the Washington Nationals, a baseball team that they are World Series champions, and they've obviously been invited to the White House. Well, their pitcher, a guy by the name of Sean Doolittle, said, there's no way I can go. He's, his his words are too divisive, and the rhetoric is is, uh, is uh, racist, and blah, 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 blah. So this pitcher, this white guy. So I did a little research on him. He's a sexual pervert. He's married to a sexual pervert, a woman who has two mothers. Him and his wife support sexual perverts. Every organization that has to do with, with uh, deviancy, they support it, especially t- towards children. I think he's not going to the White House out of guilt. I mean, sadly, but I think that's, what's gonna, that's what it's breaking down to be. Just so everybody knows, the uh, results that I have found on Trump... You know, a lot of people are worried about Trump and gun control and such. And I've looked back at all of the things that he said on gun control and mental health. And he is saying nothing on gun control whatsoever. He's pushing hard on mental health legislation instead. I don't, that's not, none of this is going to go anywhere good, I can tell you right now. And that's the sad thing about it. Because when you talk about mental health, you're talking about putting somebody else in control of what you can and can't do, and it's going to be more red flag laws and and uh, drugs and just it's just it's not going to go good anywhere. Now we're in a category of government threat. There has been, there's been, you've heard the rumors, you've heard the the uh, 
congressmen talk about it and the senators talk about it and, and uh, Facebook and Google and all of these people talk about how their devices are listening to you. And I have seen TV, well, this morning there was this woman that was murdered and they happened to have a, uh, I don't know what it was called, it's a, a series, a little little microphone speaker that you say, series, dim the lights, and it does. Series, play Tchaikovsky's number seven in B-flat major, and it will. Well, everything you say to any of these any of these things, whether it's a speaker, whether it's a refrigerator that you talk to, whether it's your security system you talk to, your watch you talk to, whatever, every t- every single one of these items are, co- are downloading and saving your voice print and your data and what you're saying. Every single one of them. Now, Apple got caught recording your voice. And it was a big, big, big snafu. Well, it came out that Apple said, well, so what? Everybody else is doing it, so we're going to continue doing it. If you have any of these devices that you can talk to or any of these devices that can talk, that you can talk around them and do, you're, you're being copied, you're being downloaded, you're, it's recording your, your whatever you're saying. Samsung is well known. The TVs, Samsung TV, we bought one. Oh, about five years ago. And I thought it was cool because I put Skype on it, a smart TV. And I could put Skype on it, and I did. And I called and talked to my brother. And after that, I'm starting to think, now, wait a minute. This is a smart TV. Words don't mean things anymore to communists, socialists, Democrats, the government, because they can change them at will. So smart, what does that mean? It means that it copies everything that you do. It records everything that you say and everything that you do. It records your browsing history. It records what you watch. They no longer need to have a little box on top of your TV for you to uh, punch in the TV shows you're going to watch because these smart TVs are recording them. They're recording the fact that you're watching uh, Supernatural at 8 o'clock Thursday night or you're watching Survivor Wednesday. Oh, you only watched it for half an hour, then turned it off. It's being recorded. This is this is user data that's valuable. So we immediately sold that TV and got a TV that wasn't so smart. I don't want anything recorded. And this it, it will what you see you've heard in the Miranda, it's like what whatever you say will and can be used against you. Well, that's the thing with all of this stuff. They will and can be used against you, or can and will be used against you. You have to be real careful with everything. Anything that records your voice, you're in a car that has uh, series radio, or it has, uh, and I don't, there's different names for it, but you know, you're driving along and you push a button up there on your console and it says, yes, may I help you? Well, I, I just ran out of gas. Can you send somebody to give me gas, please? Okay, Sure. They're recording your conversation at all times. Every single thing that can hear you is recording your conversation. Here is a, I told you so, many times. I told people so many times. In fact, I even have a, had, a, had a website on it, and I got rid of that about two or three years ago. There are undercover agents at every gun show. I don't care where in the nation you are. 
where you go to a gun show. There are undercover agents there. They're either looking for specifics, people selling specific types of weapons, or they're looking for specific people watching everything that you do at a gun show. Well, this is this is no ifs, ands, or buts. And I warn people about this. And and uh, there's there's uh, newspapers that are coming out saying, yeah, it's true. It is. They're in every single one, especially California. Because now in California, you have to fill out paperwork to buy ammunition. And it's illegal to import ammunition into the state of California, except through a licensed dealer. So just over the border in Reno and in Las Vegas are gun shows. The promoters of every gun show in Reno, and I know this for a fact, are in cahoots with the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. They turn over a, a vendor's list of every, every gun show. They turn them over and say, here's, here's who they are. The, the agents drive through. Now, this could be, this could be uh, police department, sheriff's department, ATF, FBI. Gang task force. Uh, it, there's all these different agencies. This is a feeding frenzy for these these things, these creatures. And they they uh, truthfully think that they are doing something good. That's uh, maybe maybe not, and I highly doubt it. But I mean, picture a 22 year old kid. Him and his his mother and, and father and and uh, two friends go to from Sacramento. They go to Reno. He buys his first rifle, which is an SKS. Not a big deal. Cost him $176. As he's driving back on Highway 80, as soon as he crosses over into California, Highway Patrolman pulls him over and arrests him for a felony, importing an illegal, quote-unquote, illegal firearm into the state of California. It was not an illegal firearm. It was a legal firearm, except what happens about 90% of the court cases when somebody who doesn't know better is threatened. They rolled over, and he did. He rolled over. And he took a plea bargain. So the kids now, and he never went to jail, never went to trial, but now he's a felon and can never own a firearm for the rest of his life. So what these, what the law enforcement's doing is they're going through the parking lot in these gun shows. This, this is the first step. They have cameras on the front, rear, and both sides of their cars. It's either inside the car or it's up on top of the car like a Google uh, car would be, and they're taking pictures of all the drivers, uh, of all the license plates, all the cars, and they're videoing any people that they can see, and then they run everybody through a a, a list called watch uh, warrants and uh, and seeing if there's anybody wanted or any cars are stolen or whatever. This is a big thing. All you have to do is buy a box of twenty two rounds. Right, little 22 rounds, one box, and drive back to California, and they'll bust you and they'll arrest you on a felony charge of importing illegal ammunition because it's illegal now. But this is what's happening in Nevada gun shows. Number one, all the promoters of all the shows in Nevada are in cahoots with law enforcement. They turn their back; they they don't care. And if the cops make a big enough bust, they actually get 10 percent. I saw this an ad uh, in a South African uh, TV show. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this? It's called ID 2020. This will explain it a little better than I can. The ability to prove one's identity is a fundamental and universal human right. 
We live in a digital era. Individuals need a trusted, verifiable way to prove who they are. Both in the physical world and online. Over one billion people worldwide are unable to prove their identity through any recognized means. As such, they are without the protection of law and are unable to access basic services, participate as a citizen or voter, or transact in the modern economy. For some, including refugees, the stateless, and other marginalized groups, reliance on national identification systems isn't possible. This may be due to exclusion, inaccessibility, or risk, or because the credentials they do hold are not broadly recognized. While we support efforts to expand access to national identity programs, we believe it is imperative to complement such efforts by providing alternatives to individuals lacking safe and reliable access to state-based systems. We believe that individuals must have control over their own digital identities, including how personal data is collected, used, and shared. Everyone should be able to assert their identity across institutional and national borders and across time. Digital identity carries significant risk if not thoughtfully designed and carefully implemented. We do not underestimate the risks of data misuse and abuse, particularly when digital identity systems are designed as large, centralized databases. Technical design can mitigate some of the risks of digital identity. Emerging technology, for example, cryptographically secure, decentralized systems, could provide greater privacy protection for users while also allowing for portability and verifiability. But widespread agreement on principles, technical design patterns, and interoperability standards is needed for decentralized digital identities to be trusted and recognized. This better model of digital identity will not emerge spontaneously. In order for digital identities to be broadly trusted and recognized, we need sustained and transparent collaboration aligned around these shared principles, along with supporting regulatory and policy frameworks. ID2020 Alliance partners jointly define functional requirements, influencing the course of technical innovation and providing a route to technical interoperability and therefore trust and recognition. The ID2020 Alliance recognizes that taking these ideas to scale requires a robust evidence base which will inform advocacy and policy. As such, ID2020 Alliance-supported pilots are designed around a common monitoring and evaluation framework. We humbly recognize that this is no easy task, but we see urgency as a moral imperative. This is why we have set ambitious targets and why we hold ourselves to account. ID2020 is a global strategic initiative aiming to help deliver against the United Nations sustainable goal of legal identity for all. There are 1.5 billion people in the world who don't have a legal identity. No legal identity means no bank account and social exclusion. It matters to society as a whole. It's incumbent upon those that can to serve those that can't. It's going to be an annual conference up until 2030. There will be a mixture of non-governmental organisations, humanitarian agencies, technologists, innovators and policymakers. Technology cannot speak for itself. It requires innovators to talk to policymakers. And this is a forum at which we can do that. Legal identity for 1.5 billion people is complex. PwC does complex. Where would you start? Well, ID2020 is simple and smart. The summit will look to examine the issues and to work out whether technology can be an enabler for societal good. Once a person has a legal identity, governments and non-government organisations can help people become safe, part of society, financially included and economically active.
by bringing the right people to the table, focusing the debate and thinking of solutions that will affect up to a third of the world. The time is right to start today. Allow me to put this in plain English for you. This is a push by the United Nations and communists that working with them. One of them is Bill Gates. He's been known for doing free vaccinations to people in third world countries. Now, these vaccinations are going to have a microchip in them. And this is going to be how they program your identification. This is a push for worldwide. This is not just in third world nations. They're going to want to do this in the United States as well. Now, these free vaccinations are going to be given to everyone. Free. Everyone. Free. Right? So, Bill Gates uh, and his wife have already invested over $2.5 billion to this project, ID2020. They want every person in the world to have an ID. You listen to the propaganda that the uh, communists were spouting in these little ads. This is UN paid for and Bill Gates paid for. And there's other entities involved with this also. But what it is, is to give everybody in the United States a an ID that they carry around with them. They no longer need to have a wallet or a cell phone or anything that has their ID on it. They just wave their arm underneath this reader and it'll tell whoever it is who you are. It also gives you gives them complete control over you. So if you are if they decide that you're a criminal, uh, they can decide that you no longer have the ability to buy and sell anything. You can't buy food. Austin, Texas, it seems, has been degraded down to a test, just nothing more than a, 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 an area where the socialists, communists, and Democrats can test all of their evil. In Austin, Texas, to give you an idea, the homeless population is now receiving these chips in vaccinations. So this is going to be happening all over. And they're going to be telling any of you out there who are going to get vaccinations, this is going to be automatically installed in it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but very soon they're going to have them in it. And it's going to be free. You don't have to pay for it. You know how that works. You don't have to pay for it at all. It's all free. The government's here to help you. And Bill Gates will pay for it all. But then again, you're going to end up paying for it in the long run. Now it's time for another of the precepts, of the 21 precepts in the Way to Happiness little booklet here. Precept is a guiding, influencing idea. It's something that uh, helps you regulate your conduct. So we're doing number six here. Set a good example. There are many people one influences. The influence can be good or it can be bad. If one conducts his life to keep these recommendations, referring to the Way to Happiness, One is setting a good example. Others around one cannot help but be influenced by this, no matter what they say. Anyone trying to discourage you is trying to do so because they factually mean you harm or are seeking to serve their own ends. Deep down, they will respect you. Your own survival chances will be bettered in the long run since others influenced will become less of a threat. There are other benefits. Don't discount the effect you can achieve on others simply by mentioning these things and setting a good example in your own right. The way to happiness requires that one set a good example for others. So what am I going to talk about now? Let me give you a hint. 
yet? Well, I can tell you it's not going to be about uh, any of the Me Too movement garbage or any of the social justice warrior garbage. It's in case you have to go outside when it's cold, like in your car. So what we're talking about now is how to prep your car for winter, because if you haven't figured it out yet, it's here. It's it, it, up here in Coeur d'Alene at night. It's between, well, let's see, so far it's got down to nine. And and during the day, it gets uh, today's going to be hot. It's going to be about 42 degrees. So, yeah, winter's here. Just hasn't hit with all its ferocity yet. But I can tell you this, it's going to. Because I'm seeing the squirrels out here look like little fat badgers running around. they got so much fat on them. They're, they're eating so much and stocking so much food up. And usually up in this area, the birds don't start their migration cycle until, oh, Sometime in December, they're already gone. Serious, they're gone. Seagulls, believe it or not, we got seagulls up here. They're gone. So, going to help you figure out how to get your car into tip-top shape so you don't break down. Here's the thing. It's that you might think your car's in good shape, but by the time I'm done telling you about what we got to look at here, you're going to know it's in good shape. You do not want to break down in the middle of a snowstorm. Everybody says, oh, it's never going to happen to me. 
I read about it. Every winter, there's at least a dozen different times where people freeze to death or they die of starvation or something else happens because their car breaks down and they didn't think ahead. So that's my job is to help you think ahead. So now it doesn't matter what car you have because we're going to start on the outside and we're going to work in. And you just take the data that I'm going to give you and you extrapolate it to, to fit your vehicle. I don't care if it's a scooter or a diesel truck or a Mack truck. It's all pretty much the same ideas. We're going to start. Now, this is going to be on the outside of your vehicle. So we're going to start with your tires. I know this is a stupid question, but are they bald? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's something you don't want to have in inclement weather. So you look at your tires. Check the pressure. If, if the tires are good, check the pressure. Make sure they're set properly. You want to know what the tire pressure should be? Don't look on the tires. Open the door in your car, and there's a there's a uh, tag on either the door or on the door frame, and it'll tell you the size of tire that's factory for that vehicle and what the tire pressure should be. That's what you need to set it at. My son drove, uh, he had his Subaru Outback, and he drove to Missouri and back. And before he left, he decided to check the, the air, and he looked at his new tires, and they said 60, uh, 60 uh, PSI. So he set them at 60. Drove all the way there, drove all the way back, and when and, and his tires, these were new tires, so he, he decided to have them rebalanced. So he took it into the tire shop, and the guy looks at it and goes, who the hell put the air in these tires? And Eric goes, I did. Why? Didn't you look at your door jam? He goes, why would I look at my door jam? It figured out it was supposed to be 32 pounds, uh, and he used 60. Luckily, he didn't blow anything, so that was fine. So you check your tires. You check the tread. You check to see if there's any damage, any cuts on the sidewall. This happens a lot. Make sure there's nothing stuck inside one of the treads, like a nail or something that can work its way out, and all of a sudden you're going to have a flat tire. And if you're driving, okay, now this is important, because what you don't do now is going to bite you in the butt in a short time. Such as this. When I was coming back from uh, my trip to Texas, I'm in Montana, and I'm talking to the girl at the counter at a hotel, and she says, yeah, since one of these days i got to get my, my uh, car fixed. I go, what's wrong with it? She goes, well, it starts vibrating at about 40 miles an hour. And I said, well, that's balance. You need to get the balance on your tires checked. If your, tire st- if your front end starts vibrating uh, at a certain speed, such as 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, that's due to the tires that you have are out of balance. Generally, I mean, it could be anything from an from a drive shaft out of balance to a to something on your front end out of balance. But generally, when it starts vibrating at a specific speed, it's because the tires are out of balance. Okay, that's not just an annoyance. That sets up a vibration. That vibration travels through the whole front end, and it can start to cause damage in tie rod ends, ball joints, and other parts. So if your tires are out of balance, get them balanced. Uh, let's now. Now we're going to go to your windows. Now we're on the outside. Remember. So, but still on, on the outside, you're going to still check for function. Make sure your windows roll up and down. Make sure any glasses that's broken or chipped is either repaired or it's uh, safe enough for you. Now I'll, t- I'll give you a, a trick here. Sometimes you get a chip. And you know it's going to get worse. Well, 
there's a thing you can do to help protect that. You use, though in the old days, Grandpa used duct tape. But you can use, if you want clear tape, you can use shipping tape. Heavy-duty, heavy-duty shipping tape. This is the kind of stuff you can't break with your hands. And where the chip is, or even a small crack, you clean the whole area around there with alcohol. You wipe it down. You make sure it's bone dry and totally, totally clean. Then you take the shipping tape. Don't get your fingerprints on it. Otherwise, that's what you'll be looking at. And then you cut a piece to fit that crack and around and towards the... If the crack's two inches long, you want the tape to be three inches long. And then you put the tape on there and you smooth it out from one end down. Now, that's going to help protect that piece of glass, whether it's a windshield or, or, or something on the side or a rear window or what have you, from going any further for a period of time. Okay, that's just a little trick. But uh, make sure everything is... is uh, copacetic. Everything's working fine. You don't have to worry about it. If you go take it to a car wash, good. Clean your glass. Clean the windows. I don't mean at the gas station with a squeegee. I mean tip up the wiper blades, spray it down with whatever glass cleanser you have, and then scrub the hell out of it so everything is perfectly spotless. Now, if you're if you're like us and you park under a tree, you're going to have little tiny droplets of sap all over your windshield and you're not going to be able to wash that off really easy i've it's gotten so bad that i've literally taken a razor blade and turned it flat and shaved the windshield to get this stuff off but generally you could use a chemical cleaner and it'll get rid of most of them and then what i have done is taken four ot that's zero 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 steel wool extra fine ultra fine whatever words you want to use and I've lightly polished the glass. You can tell when your windshield's dirty and it's raining and the wiper blades are going back and forth. It, it sounds rough or it'll start chattering. So clean your glass as best as you can. And if you can, polish it with some ultra-fine steel wool. You're not pressing down on this steel wool. You're just lightly moving it across the glass. It will clean this thing up better than new. Uh, wipers, talking about chattering. Your wipers, I don't care what company makes them, they're not going to last more than a year, year and a half. Depending on the area you're at and how inclement the weather is and how hot the sun gets and how you park your vehicle and how much, you know what I mean? It's rubber. It's going to rot. And it's this is a scam. A lot of these companies like Michelin uh, and, and uh, Rain-X, they say, oh, guaranteed for two years, guaranteed for five years. Just show us the receipt. How many people keep the receipts? Well, I do. I put them in the folder for the car. But still, if you don't have the receipt and they're going to they're gonna crack on you within a year, you're not going to, you know, you're screwed. You're going to have to buy something, another, a new set. So you look at your wiper blades, keep them clean. The three parts that I look at on wiper blades is the mounting, where they clip on, not on your your vehicle, but on the arm, the wiper arm, that gets loose. And your wiper blade actually will fall off. This isn't funny. This is real. I, it's happened to me a couple times, and this, I've seen it happen to many people, especially if they try and save a few bucks and buy some cheap wiper blades. The, the, where it mounts onto the wiper arm, make sure that's snug. Also, some people just replace the blade itself. 
And to do that, you have to bend a little piece of sheet metal and slide the blade out and slide the new one in. Sometimes it doesn't work right. And all of a sudden, while you're using it, that blade starts to look like it starts to get longer because it's sliding out. So check that. And a third part is to make sure that the uh, rubber hasn't already cracked. You can do a visual. If it looks fine to you, well, that's fine. But now, so it looks fine. Well, what happens if the thing streaks? If the blade just doesn't have the right tension against the glass, it's going to streak right and left. Boom, boom, boom. That almost got me in a bad accident in North Carolina during a bad storm. I had brand new wiper blades on there. Unfortunately, the spring tension was so weak, the snow was building up on the window because it wasn't being wiped off. Also, another thing that happens is the rubber gets so hard that when you use it, even if you have special chemical solution on there, it's going to chatter back and forth. And if, that, if you don't mind that, well, that's fine. Look at your wipers. Anything in any way, shape, or form indicates it should be replaced. There's no secret. You can go to Walmart. You can go to any of the 8 billion other automotive stores in the United States. Now look at your headlights. This is, is uh, life-threatening. Your headlights have to be perfect. Older vehicles, it's a one-piece unit. It's glass. It's like a light bulb that goes in. You, if you have that, you make sure it's not cracked, it's not leaking. If you have what normal vehicles have for the past 15, 20 years, they have a plastic lens, and then the light bulbs are inside the lens, which are you can uh, reach them inside your engine cavity. So you look at those and make sure you turn your headlights on, turn, your, turn all your lights on, walk around, make sure everything's lit. Have somebody step on the brakes. Make sure the brake lights are working. Test your turn signals. Make sure they're working. Check the high beams. Make sure they're working. It's just as dangerous to have one of your low beams out. You've seen this many times. Somebody driving down the road, you think it's a motorcycle coming at you. And it's actually a car with one of their headlights dead. Now, the high beams will work. Just check everything. Make sure everything's working perfectly. Now, here's another little trick. These lenses have a cover over them. Um, it's a microscopic sheet to protect them as you're driving. I mean, face it, you're doing 50, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour. Even a particle of dust hit in plastic is going to cause damage. What happens is over time, this uh, protectant sheet gets dissolved. It gets torn off. The plastic starts to oxidize and it'll become yellow. We were coming back Years ago, from from uh, Bonner, up way up north of here, and it was a snowstorm, and it wasn't a whiteout, but it was so bad. I and my headlights wouldn't. I couldn't see a damn thing, and I'm not kidding. On the freeway, now when I say freeway, it it was two lane road, and there was no other traffic. But on the freeway, I could not see. I slowed down to ten miles an hour, and I told my wife, "I got to stop and wait for the for the snow to clear up a little bit. I don't dare move." So we stopped, and all of a sudden, the, uh, we were driving a little minivan. All of a sudden, the minivan got pushed, not hit, pushed. And I'm like, what the hell? And the next thing, the snow clears a little bit, and there's a moose leaning on my car. And there's about a dozen other ones crossing the road right there. 
The moose couldn't even see my car, and he walked right into it. So as soon as it cleared up a little bit, we drove. There was a gas station a mile up. We went in. The guy goes, oh, that's easy to fix. I, your headlights are, are oxidized. And I go, what? I thought my headlights were bad, and I'm going to have to replace them. He got some plastic polish, Meguiar's plastic polish. Now, you can get any plastic polish. Motorcycle shops sell it to polish the wind visor and the helmets. So he got some plastic polish, and he walks out, and he wipes off the, the headlight, it, and it's yellow, and he squirts some of the stuff on there, and he does a you know polishing motion, just like you're putting wax on, scrubbing it real good, and he does it to the other side and lets it dry for about five minutes, and then he buffs it off, and they look brand new. And all of a sudden, my headlights are working. Don't get screwed by these companies that charge $50 a lens to clean your headlights. You can do it yourself for under $10. Now, another clue, when you're done cleaning it, take a coat of wax, any kind of wax. Rub it on. That's it. it will act as a protectant. You'll have to do that at least every other month. until you, in, in, If and until you replace the lenses yourself. Now I'm going to tell you, attempting to to, uh, nickel and dime yourself, attempting to save a few dollars here and there, could end up costing you your life. I've driven, and I'm not exaggerating, over 2 million miles throughout the United States in my career. And many times I've broken down. And it's because I tried to save a few bucks here, a few bucks there, or I couldn't even drive. One time driving up here, I, 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 uh, this is before we moved up into North Idaho. We lived in Sacramento, and we drove up here, driving a one-ton van. And what do I know? I'm an idiot from California. So I get up here, four inches of ice on the road. All my van did was sit there and go, it wouldn't go anywhere. I ended up having to pay almost $800 for a new set of tires to go on that van. Now, in California, where we were at at the time, I could have got the same thing for around $400. So I I tried to save some money by not buying tires, and I ended up getting screwed. And the same thing can happen. I I told you about the snowing so bad my wiper blades were not working. I ended up having to stay overnight in a hotel. cost me another $40. So don't think you're going to be saving any money. You're going to lose money and you have a possibility of harming yourself or somebody around you. So now we're going to look at the motor and the powertrain. Now obviously, if your car doesn't run, your car doesn't run, so that's up to you to figure it out. But I'm talking about the necessities for an engine. You want to check the oil filter uh, or the uh, or check or change. Here's the thing. You're going to check or change. Check your oil. Make sure it's not all sludgy up. If it is, change your oil. Hell, you can get oil changes now so cheap it's ridiculous. We got a place here in town for $19.95, they'll change your oil and filter. It's cheap filter and cheap oil, but it'll keep your engine running. And you check your air filter as well. Make sure the air filter is not clogged up. People don't look at the air filter, they think of everything else but that. And some of these newer vehicles, you can't just unscrew a lug a nut and pull the top off and look at it. You gotta unscrew like four to six screws and take the cap off. And then you can see your air filter. But you need to check your air filter. Your air filter determines the power and the potency of your engine. If it's clogged with crap from the summer or dust or dead birds and bugs, 
it, it's going to cut down the uh, the oxygen flow to your engine. Your engine is not going to function properly. Now, inside most vehicles, you're going to have what's called a cabin filter. Usually, it's behind the glove box. If you look in your manual, you'll figure it out. Or just go to YouTube and type in cabin filter and then the year and make of your vehicle. And you'll see some guy changing hits. Change the cabin filters. That's important. Especially like up here. You're, it's cold. You're driving all the windows up, the heater on, and a diesel pulls in front of you. And billows black smoke. Well, if your cabin filter's clogged or dirty, you're getting it all in the, in the cabin. Uh, check your tranny fluid as well. You're checking all your fluids here. Check your transmission fluid, top it off. This is the kind of stuff you don't want to do when it's 10 degrees outside. Been there, done that. Check your brake fluid. If it needs to be topped off, do it. If it's dirty and filthy, you should have it pressure flushed to put clean brake fluid in there. You check your radiator level as well. Now, you do this when it's cold. Uh, if you have, a, if you, if your, if your uh, radiator fluid is just a year old, maybe two years old, you don't have to worry about it nowadays. But if it's older or if it's questionable, you use a hydrometer. This is like a giant eyedropper that you stick in the uh, in the radiator fluid and you suck it up, and, and there's balls inside, and they they float according to the ability of the antifreeze to uh, keep itself from freezing. See, you've heard me many times say, buy your liquids before the winter hits so they don't freeze and break in shipping. Same thing's going to happen to your vehicle. If your antifreeze does not stay in a liquid state when it's freezing out, it will expand and it will break your engine. Seriously, I have seen it. It'll fracture the motor. The water will expand and push the cast iron block out and crack. There's there's a toast. That's garbage. I mean, literally, you're not going to fix that. So check your antifreeze. Make sure it's fine. If you want to do all of this stuff, you take it to it. You could take it to a shop and say, this is what I want you to do. Check all of this stuff. Winterproof me. I got no idea how much it'll cost where you are. So that's up to you to figure out. And the other thing is, make sure nothing's leaking. This sounds stupid, and I have so many people say, oh yeah, it's 20 years old, of course it's going to leak. That's BS. Leaks come from some place that is uh, not tightened down or has a hole in it. And that hole could be caused by a rock throwing up, uh, rust. Like in, in most engine blocks, you have what's called a freeze plug. These are usually about two inch, three inch diameter and they're inserted in holes along your block, your engine block. The idea is if your engines, the water in your engine and radiator starts freezing up, those blocks will burst out first. Sometimes those rust out and it's a, it's a task to replace them, but it can be done. So you need to pay attention to if something's leaking. Again, I, I this is all preventative stuff. This is so you don't end up having to do this at 20 degrees or your wife says, okay, honey, the baby's coming, get me to the hospital, and your car won't start. So this is, this is stuff you need to check ahead of time. 
check your battery. Make sure your battery is functional. Again, it, that's part of uh, the starting sequence is the battery. If you're, ba- if you're, look, you can figure it out. Take it to any Pep Boys, Napa. They'll check your battery generally free. And if it's not working fine, replace the battery. Some people, when I was a kid, I would buy the cheapest rebuilt battery I could if my battery went out. And I'd have a, I'd have a truck with an eight-cylinder motor in it, and I'd have a battery that barely powers a four-cylinder. I didn't know difference. I found out the hard way. I put the strongest thing I can put in any of my vehicles to make sure it fits. Costco's got good prices on batteries. If you, if you go to Costco, I, I presume Sam's Club is the same thing. So make sure, <clears throat> make sure your battery is functional. Make sure the cables are tightened on there. If you have to, loosen them. Clean the terminals, the post that, on the battery that sticks up. Clean the inside of the terminal that goes on. Put it back on. Tighten it down. And then what you can do, you can either go and buy this little spray. Uh, it'll spray out thick red, and it's for battery terminal protection. It's anti-corrosion, and you spray that thing down, and that thing will last a couple years. Or do like we used to do and just use some Vaseline. Or grease, doesn't matter. After you've cleaned your terminals, you spread grease around it, on top of it, so it doesn't corrode. Now, the reason the reason batteries corrode is because the uh, hydrogen sulfate leaks out. And a lot of times, it'll leak out all right around your post, so if it's really if you're keep getting corrosion, keep getting corrosion, your battery's bad. You're going to have to replace it. If it's the old style battery that you can change the water in, or you can add water to it, look at it. Add water. Only add distilled water. Go spend dollar ninety nine or whatever and get a gallon of distilled water and save it for just the battery. And the reason is, any water with with uh, any minerals in it whatsoever can short out the plates inside the battery. So only fill the battery with distilled water. Uh, check your wiper fluid while you're at it. Don't, don't, do not, do not just add water to fill it up. That's, see, this is, this is a funny thing, not when it happens to you, but when you look at it and watch it in somebody else, you're like, oh, that's funny. I'm at South Lake Tahoe. It's eight degrees. And this guy goes down to start his car. I, I was I was uh, managing a resort there, and this uh, tenant goes down to start his car. Starts his car, warms, turns on the warmer, turns on the wiper, wiper blades. Now it's it's snowing, so his wipers are wiping the snow off. Okay, but it's still some sticking to the window, so he squirts it. Uses wiper fluid, and the wiper fluid freezes on his window. It freezes on his window. That's because he added water to it. Buy yourself, go into Walmart, spend the two forty nine, and get the gallon of negative twenty degrees wiper fluid, or even get the negative forty degrees pink fluid. It doesn't matter. Spend the extra dollars. You're only you'll use a gallon a year. But make sure your wiper fluid is the. Is the uh, will t- will will handle low 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 temperatures? Make sure it's kept filled, especially in the winter. While you're in the process of checking uh, lubricants and checking oil levels and and the like, if you want to, and I I like to do this at least once a year, check the rear end. 
Find out what kind of fluid goes in there. It's usually thick and it's usually about 90, 90 weight lube oil goes in there. Check it. Make sure it's filled. Check your transaxle. If you're four-wheel drive, check that system. Check everything. If you get, if you need a lube job, we'll take the whole thing in. You know, this all everything I'm telling you can be done by you or you can go pay somebody to do it. Check all fluid levels. Make sure they're all topped off. You just tell them. Balance and rotate my tires. Check all, all fluid levels. Make sure they're all topped off. You know, they'll do it. It just costs money. So now we're going to get inside the vehicle. We're going to check your doors. Make sure the latches work. Now, if you have hatches, make sure the hatch latch is working. Make sure the hinges are working. They aren't flopping around and loose. It doesn't take much to take a screwdriver and tighten up hinges, tighten up uh, latches. Do that. This is all preventative. The more, the more you allow a vehicle to fall apart, the faster and worse it's going to get. So you check all the, the door and hatch latches and hinges. Uh, check the seals. You know, sometimes you close your driver's door and you're driving along the road and you can hear wind coming through. That seal's bad. You need to replace it. You can find seals for anything. You don't have to go to the dealer. You can find it on eBay, jcwhitney.com. So you fix the seals. Make sure everything rolls up and down like it should. Every part in your vehicle that is, that is worn, like you have these what's called window wipes on both sides, inside and outside of your window. As you roll it up and down, you see these little rubber things that fold over. And that when it's rolled down, and then when you roll it up, they kind of wipe it. Yeah, make sure those are clean, by the way. Roll your window all the way down, and take a rag and stick in that channel and wipe them down good. Because uh, I have seen windows gouged and scraped because they people have driven through the sand and gotten in, in that area. So make sure that stuff works fine. And any of that stuff that looks worn or torn, you can always buy it and replace it. It's available. Yeah, you open and close all your doors. If a door is hard to close, you know, you get a, a, a can, you go to Walmart and you get a can of spray lubricant, not WD-40, but some kind of silicone spray lubricant. Open your doors. I, my, I've, I've had old vehicles and, you know, you hear the, oil it. That way it won't freeze up on you in the middle of uh, winter. So oil your hinges, oil your latches. The latches, usually you don't oil them, you grease them. And don't put too much on. But just put enough on so that your doors can open and close easily. Now I'll give you a, a secret. I always carry a straw. Well, I don't carry it. I have it right inside the door of the garage. When it gets... Sometimes some weird stuff happens up here. It'll rain, cover the car in water, right? And then it freezes. So I go out in the morning and I have a frozen latch. Can't stick my key in it. Well, you take a straw, and if you're in California, you're screwed because all you can get is paper straws, but you take a plastic straw, and you blow onto the latch, and that will melt the ice, and then you can kind of stick it inside the latch and blow some more, and that will melt all the ice in there. Now, I haven't had to worry about that in over 10 years because all my cars now got little push-button things, but still, that's a trick. It's just, you know, a little straw. Uh, Check all the controls. And I already covered this. 
on the outside because you're checking you were checking the lights. Now I want you to check not not just the lights and the blinkers, but your heater fans, your heater controls, defroster. You test them, make sure they work. Don't just turn it on. Make sure it gets hot. I made the mistake of taking a date to uh, to to uh, from Sacramento to Lake Tahoe. And my heater wasn't working. And I didn't know that until we were halfway there and had to turn it on because we hit a snowstorm. Yeah, that didn't work out well. So check all your controls inside. While you're at it, you know, check the dome lights, check the radio, check all the lights. Check, check, check everything. You're, you're hitting off all the problems that could happen. Make sure your gas, brake, clutch pedals don't aren't sticky or jammed. During the winter months, a lot of time, people will throw carpets in there to absorb the moisture and stuff. And there are many stories of people who there has jammed a carpet or a mat has jammed the gas pedal and they can't stop it. And they just drive right through the, the, uh, the 7-Eleven store or something like that. Make sure any mats you have down there are clear from your gas pedal, your brake pedal, Make sure there's nothing behind the brake pedal to impede its motion. This this is common sense. Now, if your brake pedals or clutch pedal is is uh, has this old worn rubber pad on it that your foot slips all the time on, why? You can find them for a couple bucks a piece on eBay, or you can find them at any Napa store, or any almost any auto parts store. Make sure all your controls are functioning. If you have an emergency brake. Make sure it's adjusted. Make sure it's functioning too. So this this is all common sense. So basically what I'm talking to you to do is use your common sense and make sure that all of your functioning parts and safety parts on your vehicle are working like they should. Now we're going to talk about what should you carry in your vehicle because we've already done all the safety checking and and that. So now what do you carry in your vehicle? Now this some of this stuff could be all the time. Some of this stuff is just good for when it's cold out. Like a toolkit. How extensive a toolkit do you want to carry is up to you. You could carry simply a, a Leatherman multi-tool or a Craftsman complete tool set. That That is totally up to you and uh, basically up to the condition of your vehicle. Or if you don't want to carry any tools at all, you got AAA. I mean, who knows? Don't ever, don't ever trust that. We've been stuck for eight hours before waiting for AAA tow truck to get to our vehicle. Carry flashlights, and I say lights, not light. Carry more than one flashlight in there. Small, medium, large. Flashlights literally are a dime a dozen now. You can go to Harbor Freight and you get one free each time you buy something if you want. But carry flashlights and a, and a spare couple of batteries for these flashlights. Carry road flares. These can be seen a lot better than a flashlight can. And they can be used for numerous things. They can actually be used to start a fire in an emergency situation. A mandatory thing is a first aid kit. How articulate you want to make it is up to you. Basic first aid kit, some antibiotics, some alcohol wipes, uh, some band-aids, some pads, aspirin, you know, some non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, aspirin, ibuprofen, what have you. First aid kit. Here's another thing that uh, is kind of mandatory. Toilet paper. Well, you know what it's for, but let's say you're driving along, you need to blow your nose. Well, that's the easiest thing, right? 
you get stuck in a snowstorm like I did one time for eight hours, you're going to need it for what it's made for. Now, also, this is a good thing. Uh, a ski mask, or I don't know what they call them. It's a ski hood, ski mask. It's, it's, it's a, you, uh, the Democrats wear them. They call them Antifa. I'll tell you something. I was coming out of Montana some years back, and I was driving a little Isuzu pickup, four-wheel drive, and it started to snow. Yeah, no big deal. And then it started to blow really bad, 40-mile-an-hour winds. And then it started to snow more. And then it's a foot of snow on the road. There's nobody else on the road. Nobody else is stupid enough to be out there. But I am. Well, i got to put chains on now. And it's a front wheel. It's a four-wheel drive vehicle. I'm, I'm going to put the chains on the front. So I get out. I can only be out of the vehicle for 15 seconds at a time before snow. Uh, before my ears start to freeze off. I didn't have a snow mask. I didn't have a hood. I didn't. I had a hat and I had a good coat and I had gloves. But I didn't have that mask. I put chains on 15 seconds at a time. It took me an hour or so to get two chains on that vehicle. And the next place I stopped at, I bought one of those little hoods. Make sure you have insulated gloves. Not just gloves to do work on. This is, we're talking winter here. Okay? Just some insulated gloves. Walmart. The smart thing to do is to have a cell phone and a recharging cable, 12-volt cable, so you can recharge your cell phone. I mean, it sounds stupid, but not everybody carries a cell phone. But you should have one when you're traveling. Have blankets. You can have these survival blankets, right? These are these are the aluminized blankets that fold up into like a deck of cards. That's all well and good. I like to travel with a with a thick sleeping bag, just in case. But have a blanket. Have some. Have something in there. Uh, bought a food. Have some food in there, of some kind. Uh, you know, you can have some candy bars or something. Be careful because most people put food in a vehicle and then they forget it's in there. And if you put some candy bars in, like your glove box. And then you forget they're in there, and then summer comes, and these things get melted. Yeah, you, you, it's kind of messy. We have these at, at, in our store, Survival Enterprises. You go to se1.us. On the left-hand side, you can click on Food, and you'll find these Survival Food tabs. These are they come in a, in a, in a container the size of a canteen, a GI canteen. And they hold 180 of these tablets, they're about the size of a marble that's been squished a little bit. They're chewable. They're food. This is emergency food. It'll store 25 years plus. And you eat like, oh, maybe a dozen of them and a glass of water. You're full. That's a meal. So you could keep some of that in your each vehicle. Have a, a, a water filtering bottle of some kind. So that you can get water. You can drink water. If you're stuck somewhere, you could drink the water without having to worry about it. Like we have the uh, Sawyer Mini filters here that we sell, 20 bucks a piece. Uh, a can of de-icer is a smart thing to have. You, these dollar, two dollars. And they have a built-in ice scraper on them. You spray them on. It's ethanol-based, but you spray it on your windshield. It dissolves ice. I don't care how thick it is. The, the Another thing to have is a roll of Gorilla duct tape. Not just the cheap duct tape. The stuff that'll stick underwater type stuff. I've blown a radiator hose in a pickup I had years ago. And this is up in the mountains. There's there's no AAA to call. There's, and I didn't have a spare radiator hose. But I had this special duct tape. This stuff will stick to anything. So I let the engine cool, open the radiator cap, 
make sure the the uh, the hose was dried, and I start and I wrap about a half inch thick of this gorilla tape on that thing, and then I filled it up with water, put it together, drove home, and it stayed on there for about six months before I just coughed up the two dollars and ninety five cents to buy another radiator hose. Spare fuses, that's a given. Spare fuses for all of your, whatever fuses you use in that vehicle, make sure you got a little container. You can use an old Band-Aid container, you know, the, the, the tin ones, or the mint containers, and just put all the spare fu- uh, fuses in there. Make sure you got a compass. Now that sounds, oh, who needs a compass anymore? Let me tell you something, I got lost one time so bad I ended up in a farmer's front yard. And I'm not kidding. It's because there there's two seasons in Idaho. There's winter and there's construction. And I decided to travel south during construction. And I'm going through some little town underneath the left elbow of the side of, of Idaho. I'm just following the signs that said detour, detour, detour. Everything was torn up. And it was just starting to get dark. And I'm not kidding, within 20 minutes... I'm knocking on this guy's door saying, I'm I'm sorry, I'm lost. Can you help me? And he looks and he goes, you're not the first person tonight to show up here. <laughs> Instant tire inflators. The cans. There's a, a company called Slime. Now, this is bad stuff. This is nasty crap. And when you get your tire, uh, when, you, when you have the tire shop remove your tire to fix it, they're going to complain to you because of all the weird slime that's inside of it. But I'll tell you what, if you get a hole in your tire in the middle of nowhere, you just put this on it, it fills it up and it seals the leak. Jumper cables. If not for you, for someone else. Then a good thing to have is about a three foot by three foot piece of carpet. Or like most of my vehicles have uh, weather weather beater mats in there and we have a cargo mat in the back well and the reason i say this is you're going to want to kneel on something instead of mud or snow so either have a carpet piece rolled up or a mat that you can lay down make sure you have a fire starting kit the simple typical fire starting kit like the air force magnesium block with a little ferrous iron thing that you can flint a little flint thing that throws a spark. And take uh, a half a dozen cotton balls, soak them in Vaseline, and put them in a baggie, and put all that stuff together. You never know. Make sure you have a lighter or two as well. Knives. Make sure you got a folding knife or a fixed blade knife. You need something sharp in case you have to cut something. Make sure you've got a battery-operated radio. I did get stuck in the snow for eight hours one time, and if I hadn't had the radio, I'd just go. I would have gone nuts. I'd, instead, I got to listen to old time mystery theater. Have yourself a shovel, or an, uh, one of the USGI entrenching tools, like the forty-inch D-handle round nose tool uh, shovel. Those things, you get stuck in the snow, you'd be surprised. Those things can really help you out. Uh, 100 feet of quarter-inch nylon rope. That is, that's self-explanatory. That could be used for all kinds of different things. And then tire chains. Even if you have the most bodacious studded tires, there are so many places now in America that they're just flat. They'll lock you down and they won't let you travel unless you have tire chains on. And that's Idaho's that way. 
When the 4th of July pass gets snowed down, doesn't matter what you got on your car. You have to have tire chains on or they're not going to let you through. Now that's just what I would call the standard equipment. And it sounds like a lot, but it's not. You can fit it mostly under your rear seat or, you know, if you've got a, like a Subaru Forester or, or Outback or, you know, things like that, a RAV4. There are so many hidey holes in your vehicles, it'll blow your mind. In a, in a RAV4, you you lift up because the spare tires is under the is inside, but it's under the uh, the cargo area. You lift up a, a flat thing, and you can see underneath. You see the tire there. There's all these little cubby holes in there, so you can store a lot of stuff on there, in there, at there, under there. You figure it out. Now the additional equipment. This is not stuff that you should have, but you you can have a CB radio. CB radios don't go long range, but I'll tell you, all truckers have them. When I got stuck in the snow, all I did was get on channel 17 and I said, uh, breaker, breaker, what's going on? And a trucker comes back, he goes, there's 300 slide-offs, so we ain't going nowhere soon. And you can either have a mounted CB or you can buy those handheld units. A single bit axe is a good thing to have, not a toy. Uh, not a not a little hatchet. I mean, an axe. That uh, unless you want to carry a chainsaw, but a single bit axe you can use that and get yourself out of a if a tree falls down or something like that. If you're if you're really worried about it, get yourself a high lift jack. These are special jacks to to really raise vehicles up to to get out from being stuck in a in a in boulders and such. Uh, there's something called a come along, and this is like a little little hoist that uh, that you crank and you can hook it one end to a tree the other end to your bumper and then you could jack it and it'll pull you through and it's got a cable on it okay bolt cutters in case you got to cut something like a lock on a gate water if if you're not too worried about it you don't need to take water with you but if you're doing a long trip you're going to want to take at least a quarter water with you maybe even a gallon of water and you might as well make it distilled just in case you have to put it in a radiator now don't only don't only take that before the trip don't leave it in your vehicle as an emergency thing forever because what happens if it gets cold it'll freeze so just take water with you when you need it take a bottle or a jar of hand cream now I'll tell you something about hand cream yes it moisturizes i had a seafood seafood business for five years and one of the tricks of the trade because we dealt with dry ice Dry ice is over 200 degrees below zero. You physically cannot hold this in your hands. You put it in your hands and it'll start, it, pain is almost instant. Unless you coat yourself with some hand cream. You put hand cream on your hands and then you can hold the dry ice and you'll freak out everyone around you saying, oh my God, this guy's Superman. Well, it works the same way in the cold. You coat yourself, your head, your face, your arms, whatever's lightly exposed you coat and it will protect you to a degree from the cold get yourself a number 10 can and mix ice melt and kitty litter in it obviously the kitty litter will give you traction but ice melt will melt through the ice i've been stuck before on four inches of ice i couldn't move and i had my can with the uh, mixture of the kitty litter and ice melt and i sprinkle it on the front of the ice and on in front of my tire 
for about two feet and behind my tire for about two feet. And then I let it work a little bit and uh, and then used, got the shovel out and cleared that area and I was able to rock out and take off. It's a good idea to have some starting fluid, just in case. It's a spray can. I don't care how bad your engine is, you spray that down the carburetor, it's going to start. Spray lube is a good thing to have also. I've had door hinges freeze up on me. This is all before I knew what the hell I was doing. I had door hinges freeze up on me. And it's because I wiped them all dry. There was no lube on it at all. And it got water on there and it froze. So I had a little tiny can. It might have been two ounces of what's called rem oil, Remington oil. And I coated down the, the, the hinges with that and never had the problem again. Talcum powder, baby powder, little little container of baby powder. Now, sometimes your belts in your engine, your fan belt and what have you, they get uh, they get cold, and they will start squealing like crazy. Well, just put the talcum powder on it. Now, there's a trick to doing it; otherwise, you'll look like an idiot. You have to do it without the engine running. You just spray some of the talcum powder. Now, obviously, on the underside of the belt. And then turn the engine over a little bit and turn it off, spray some more, turn it off, you know, squirt some more, turn it on, turn it off. Or if you want to, while it's running, just lean over and go, and there'll be a giant cloud of talcum powder everywhere. But either way, what's going to happen is going to stop your belt from squealing. It doesn't fix it, but it stops it from squealing. Have yourself a tarp. Get a, get a tarp of some kind. It's waterproof. You can get one the size of your vehicle if you want. And that way, if something happens to you, you can cover the vehicle with it and give it some protection. Have yourself a mixture of quart and gallon baggies. Now, quart and gallon baggies are waterproof. Uh, Sandwich baggies are not. Oxygen can get into them, so can water. So quart and gallon baggies. If you got a problem, you can put your stuff in there and not worry about it getting wet. Anyway, I'm sure there's more to this, and everybody's going to be able to say, oh, well, this is a great idea, but you forgot blankety-blank. Well, that's up to you to figure out. There are certain things that I'm not going to do here because I don't live in Florida. And there's certain things that people live in Florida aren't going to do because they don't live out here. Everybody's different, and you'll figure it out for yourself. Well, I hope I gave you some information that will help you uh, in, at some time in your life. Now, Pay attention to what's going on. This is vital, and I say this almost every show. Pay attention to what's going on. Keep your nose in the air and your ear to the ground. That means pay attention. Well, this is the Armchair Survivalist, about ready to sign off. You can call us, Survival Enterprises, 800-753-1981. See uh, if we can help you uh, with whatever. You know, you you can go to se1.us, survivalenterprises.com. You can see the products we have for sale. And again, we are here to help you. 800-753-1981. I got to run. I'll see you guys next time.